You are listening to sermons from the pulpit of the Bible Baptist Church in Marysville, California. We hope you will be blessed as you listen to another practical message. It's a great day to be in the house of the Lord, amen. We are going to be in Second uh, Chronicles chapter 17. And uh, if you don't know who I am, uh, my name is Brian Hubbard. I'm with a ministry called Bearing Precious Seed out of Milford, Ohio. We print Bibles. There's a ministry under that called Seedline, which is what I do. We take John and Romans to churches and work with them to put them together for missionaries. And uh, the Lord called me to California all the way from Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> and that's uh, there's a little leap of faith there. But uh, it's been a great experience. I've really enjoyed and really been blessed by this church. And so... Um, when Pastor, I knew that he was sick, uh, the Lord just put it on my heart to offer to preach for him because even if he came back, and you know, it's, it's hard to be ready. Uh, it takes time. It takes time to prepare and to be with the Lord. And so I just thought I would be a blessing to him, and so I hope it's a blessing to you today. Uh, I'd like to share this chapter that the Lord put on my heart and called me to this ministry out of. And um, we'll go ahead and we'll read through the entire chapter, and then I'll make my prayer and we'll get into it. All right, Uh, chapter 17, verse 1. The Bible says, And Jehoshaphat, his son, reigned in his stead and strengthened himself against Israel. And he placed forces in all the fenced cities of Judah and set garrisons in the land of Judah and in the cities of Ephraim, which Asa, his father, had taken. And the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the first ways of his father David and sought not unto Balaam, but sought to the Lord God of his father and walked in his commandments and not after the doings of Israel. Therefore the Lord established the kingdom in his hand, and all Judah brought to Jehoshaphat presents, and he had riches and honor in abundance. And his heart was lifted up in the ways of the Lord. Moreover, he took away the high places and groves out of Judah. Also in the third year of his reign he sent to his princes, even to Ben-Hael, and to Obadiah, and to Zechariah, and to Nethaneel, and to Micaiah, to teach in the cities of Judah. And with them he sent Levites, even Shemamiah, and to Nethaniah, and Zebediah, and Ashael, and Shemiramoth, and Jehonathan, and Adoniah, and Tobiah, and Tobadaniah, Levites, and with them Elishema and Joram, priests. And they taught in Judah, and had the book of the law of the Lord with them, and went about throughout all the cities of Judah, and taught the people. And the fear of the Lord fell upon all the kingdoms of the lands that were round about Judah, so that they made no war against Jehoshaphat. And some of the Philistines brought Jehoshaphat presents and tribute silver. And the Arabians brought him flocks, 7,700 rams and 7,700 he-goats. And Jehoshaphat waxed great exceedingly, and he built in Judah castles and cities of store. And he had much business in the cities of Judah. And the men of war, mighty men of valor, were in Jerusalem. And these are the numbers of them according to the house of their fathers. Of Judah, the captains of thousands, Adna, the chief, and with him mighty men of valor, 300,000. And next to him was Johanahan, the captain, and with him 200,000, or 204 score thousand. And next him was Amasiah, the son of Zekra, who willingly offered himself unto the Lord, and with him 200,000 mighty men of valor. And of Benjamin, Aladia, a mighty man of valor, and with him armed men with bow and shield, 200,000. And next him was Jehozabad, and with him a hundred and fourscore thousand ready prepared for the war. These waited on the king besides those whom the king put in the fenced cities throughout all Judah. Let's go ahead and pray. Father in heaven, we come before thee this day, gathered in your house, Lord, 
Uh, just pray that you would be with us today, be with me as I preach your word and give the truth and the, share the message that you've given to me, Lord. Pray that it would be your words and not mine. Pray that you would um, remove my ideas and, and, and put your truth in its place, Lord. I pray you'd be with all our hearts, have them to be open, Lord, and be receptive to what you would have us to learn and to get out of this message, Lord, and take it with us and carry it with us. We thank you, Lord, for all the blessings that you pour upon us each day. Um, I just pray, Lord, for the pastor and his wife, Lord, that you would uh, help that shepherd to be ready and to come back, Lord. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, well, that was a lot there, but it's an interesting chapter, and it's always been a chapter on my heart that the Lord has used greatly in my own life personally. Um, if I was to have a title for the message today, it would simply be, How Far Will You Let God Take You? I'll say that again, How Far Will You Let God Take You? See, this is a particular time in a particular period of the Chronicles. If you study out Kings and Chronicles, those cover the different kings throughout the, the nation of Israel's um, kingdom, the nation of Israel's history. And you'll find an interesting thing that continuously happens. You'll have a good king, bad king, good king, bad king. It's interesting that they can never really kind of string it together, uh, unfortunately. Actually, it kind of reminds me of our own political system. It seems like we get a good leader, a bad leader, a good leader. We have some good times, bad times. But nevertheless, God is always there. Um, the second thing about this is you need to understand a little context and a little history. At this time, the kingdom of the nation of Israel split into two different kingdoms. There's a nation of Israel that's a northern kingdom, and in this case, a nation of Judah, the southern kingdom. Jehoshaphat is the king of that southern kingdom, the kingdom of Judah. So when we read about them, we understand what has happened here and who this is. It helps us to understand kind of what is going on. And so when it says in, in verse 1 that Jehoshaphat's son reigned in his stead and strengthened himself against Israel, that's what it's talking about. Is Israel the northern kingdom? We kind of need to understand that. In the beginning, you can kind of see that Jehoshaphat, as a king, does a few things that are, that are pretty good for a king to do. Uh, he takes there in verse 2, he places some forces in all the fenced cities of Judah. And he sets garrisons in the land of Judah, in the cities of Ephraim, which Asa, his father, had taken. This is the case of Jehoshaphat doing some, some wise things as a king. He wants to put some forces around. He wants to make sure there's peace. And he's gotten some different garrisons to kind of make sure that if he has to move some troops around, uh, that he can handle anything that might come up. It's a pretty wise move. But see, when we study the Old Testament, before I get too far, I guess, into that, there's an interesting thing when you study the New Testament. The New Testament's a lot about concepts. It's a lot about intellectual thoughts. It's about understanding things um, like why we're saved, why we can never lose our salvation, understanding why it is that... Um, Jesus went to the cross. We understand what sanctification is, those kinds of things. In the Old Testament, it doesn't come out and talk about those intellectual concepts. The Old Testament just covers the life of an individual. And it takes that life of that individual and uses it as an object lesson. It records the good and the bad. In this case, we've got the life of Jehoshaphat. And so far, we've seen that as a king, he's doing some wise things. But there's an interesting thing that happens here in verse 3 and verse 4. There's something that happens and a principle that's really driven home uh, in the Word of God. See, if you've ever been a teenager, or you maybe currently are one, you probably remember a time in your life when your parents said, Hey, listen, this is important. I want you to do this. And you went, Yeah, okay. And they went, No, 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 really. I want you to do this. And you went, Yeah, yeah, okay, I got it. No, no, I'm serious. I really want you to do this. Okay, okay. No, it's important. So that probably conversation happened. Or maybe that was just me. <laughs> Nevertheless... When God repeats something in his word, it's important. Now, sometimes he'll repeat it in a particular book, and then he'll come back in a later book and drive home that principle. 
or just repeat that principle. Sometimes it may be in the same chapter. He might talk about a particular saying and he's driving home a principle. He might come back to that. In this case, an interesting thing happens in 3 and 4. See, it tells us in 3 and 4 the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the first ways of his father David. You could stop there, and if this was a recording of Jehoshaphat's life, you would understand, if you'd studied out your Bible, what that would pretty much tell you who Jehoshaphat was. He's a man of God. When it says his father David, what is it talking about? It's talking about his father David in the line of kings, as in King David. That's who he comes from. We know his father's Asa because that's what it tells us when his father Asa had taken uh, the territory from Ephraim. But in this case, it's talking about King David. Why? Because King David was a man after God's own heart. We heard about that today uh, in Sunday school. We, we heard about the lesson of, of David uh, taking and killing Goliath and, and standing up, a man after God's own heart. That's what it's talking about. If you were to stop and that was all you heard about Jehoshaphat, you'd know, okay, I know what Jehoshaphat's going to do. He's going to follow the Lord. But an interesting thing happens here. That's not where God stops. The Lord says, uh, verse 3, And the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the first ways of his father David and sought not unto Balaam, but sought to the Lord God of his father and walked in his commandments and not after the doings of Israel. Can you hear it? Listen, this is important. Listen, this is important. No, I'm really, it's important. Why is the Lord driving this home? Because... This is an important point in Jehoshaphat's life. He makes a decision. Now, if you study out the rest of the chapters, which I would encourage you to do, to read the rest of Chronicles and study the life of Jehoshaphat, you find out there's a problem. Jehoshaphat likes what's going on in the northern kingdom. You study it out, you find out the northern kingdom's not really a godly kingdom, and their king is not a godly king. But Jehoshaphat's being drawn towards this. I know this because of the things that happens in Jehoshaphat's life later on, the things that happen with his kids the things that he allows to be affected in his life. In this particular case, Jehoshaphat's made a choice. See, it's interesting because I believe that the Lord is driving home this point because Jehoshaphat really wanted what was in Israel. And hey, he's king now. Dad's gone. He's king. I'm number one. Nobody can tell me what to do. He doesn't have to answer to anybody anymore. He can do whatever he wants. And what lives in Israel looks pretty good. You can find the same principle in the story of Abraham. Right? With Lot. You can read about Lot. And the first time you hear about Lot and Abraham have a problem, Lot chooses the land towards Sodom. And the next thing you know, the next time you hear about Lot, he's pitched his tent towards Sodom. Later on you read about Lot, you find Lot in the city of Sodom. See, there's a choice. What you allow in your life can draw you away. Jehoshaphat chooses to do something different. Despite what he wants, he chooses to follow the Lord. And the Lord is making a big point about this. And that's my first point in the message today that we can learn from that is this. We're going to have to choose to follow the Lord despite what we might want. Now, for me personally, I, I like video games. I want to make video games for a living. I worked in IT. I still get calls today for ridiculous amounts of money that they want me to come work for them. But I'm doing what the Lord wants me to do. Am I going to make ridiculous amounts of money? No, I'm not. But I know it's better for me. I know it's better for what the Lord wants, and I am amazingly blessed for it. The Lord tells me in this, there's a blessing too. If we go on down to verse 5, you see that blessing. And it says in verse 5, <clears throat> Therefore the Lord established the kingdom in his hand, and all Judah brought to Jehoshaphat presents, and he had riches and honor and abundance. Now there's an interesting thing when you read the word of God, if you study it out. When things are said like established, they should, they should itch your ear. If you've put the word in enough, it starts itching your ear about, wait a minute, I've heard that before. See, it's an interesting thing. We were just learning about Saul today. 
uh, King Saul and King uh, and David when he was fighting Goliath. But the interesting thing is, King Saul was the very first king of Jerusalem, and uh, or Israel, sorry. And um, he had an interesting problem where Samuel was supposed to come along and do a sacrifice, and Saul was supposed to wait. Well, Saul, there were some things that happened, and Samuel didn't make it there on time, and Saul chose not to wait. Well, when Samuel does show up, he tells Saul, listen, you've made a mistake. The Lord was going to establish the kingdom in your hand, but now he's not. You can choose what you want to do, and there's a fruit from either one of those. Christian, I want to choose the one that tells me that I have riches and honor and abundance. I want the one that tells me that the Lord's going to establish the kingdom in my hand. What does that mean? That means that the Lord is going to take out the dissent in the people. All of those things that Jehoshaphat did to try to help himself, the Lord is going to make them profitable. You're not going to have to worry about invasions. You're not going to have to worry about somebody of your family causing a problem or trying a coup. You're not going to have to worry about an uprising. No, no, the kingdom is in your hand now. So I want the Lord being able to do things that are beyond my capability. But what, how am I going to get that? What is the Bible telling me? See, I'm going to have to choose to follow the Lord. And sometimes it might be, I don't get to get what I really want or what seems to be right for me or what I think is a good idea. I'm not going to get to make video games. Okay, well, that's okay, Lord. I enjoy what I'm doing. (laughs) So if we read on down and we study, but you could probably stop the story there if it was a historical record of Jehoshaphat's life. And you could say, listen, Jehoshaphat's a good king. You could just truncate the rest of the chapter right there. And it would tell you everything you need to know and Jehoshaphat would be considered a good king. But the interesting part is... Jehoshaphat doesn't stop there. What does the Bible tell me? In verse 6 it says, And his heart was lifted up in the ways of the Lord. Moreover, he took away the high places and the groves out of Judah. How did his heart get lifted up in the ways of the Lord? Because he's studying the Word. How do I know that? Because I understand that his father's David, so that tells me this. He's got at least the five, first five books of the Bible. That's the Pentateuch. Moses wrote those. If David's his father, that would be King David. That means he has Proverbs. That means he has Psalms. That means he has everything that King David's son Solomon wrote too. He has a lot of scripture. You want some knowledge and wisdom? Start reading Proverbs. It'll be amazing what it does to your life, what the Lord will bless your life with. So here is King Jehoshaphat who says, you know what, I'm going to make a choice. And this is my second point, and that's this. We can't just stop at making a choice. we got to grow. we got to be willing to put the, the word of the Lord in our heart. Why? So that he can use us, so he can change us, so he can give us that knowledge and wisdom. And believe me, I need it and I want it. And I think we all do too. How am I going to know what the Lord would have me to do if I don't know what the Lord's word tells me to do? Jehoshaphat did. He took away the high places in the groves. He started studying. He started reading. He figured out, hey, hey, this is not a good thing. We need, to, we need to get rid of this stuff. And so he did. But there's an interesting thing also. As we read on, that's not where Jehoshaphat stopped either. So what does it tell me? Right in verse 7, in the third year, he tells the princes, hey, 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 guys, you need to go teach these people this. Why did he pick the princes? Because they're the learned man of the time. It's weird to us that sometime we would think that there was a time period when not everybody read. These guys were educated. They could read. They could read the Word. They also had the money to afford the Scripture. Why? Because Scripture was copied by hand, by van, meticulously. So not everybody got a copy of that. These guys did. 
Hey, you guys are the learned ones. You guys are the ones who know. You, you need to get out there and give this to the people. And then it occurred to Jehoshaphat, you know what? That's not good enough. Why don't you take the Levites with you? Why? Because they're Levitical tribe. They're the ones that were in charge of putting up the tabernacle and tearing it down. They're the ones that are in charge of the temple. They're the ones that are in charge of the holy things. They're living it every single day. I bet they know that word better than you do. You take them with you too. As a matter of fact, why don't you take some priests with you? Because they come out of the Levitical tribe and they have to be even better than the Levites. They have to be grounded in the word. There's going to be some hard questions. You better take some experts with you. But then there's an interesting thing that happens in verse 9. See, that's not good enough. What does it say? And they taught in Judah and had the book of the law of the Lord with them and went about throughout all the cities of Judah and taught the people. You know what? You should take the word of God with you. Imagine how precious the Word of God was at that time, that they would actually pick it up and take it to all the cities. There's learned men in those cities. Here, here, read it for yourself. It's not my opinion. It's not the high priest's opinion. Here, you read it. It's not the prince's. You read it. Why? Because in those cities are probably learned people, maybe one guy or two guys, or maybe a, whomever, the wise woman that knows how to read, the elder who knows how to read. Does it really say that? Yeah, it does. Does it really say that? Yeah, it does. It's a trusted voice that they know. And it's not just this priest told me this so I can take his opinion. No, no, no. That's what the Word of God says. And see, the fun fact is, it was written before they ever got around, those priests and those Levites and those princes. And the interesting thing is it'll be around long after they're gone. So when you remember what the priests talked about, they can pick that up at any time in their life, if it's available, if they have it, if it's there. Yeah, it's in there. That's what it really says. It's not my opinion. It's what God says. That's important. So... I had a question some time ago, and uh, I was asking the Lord, what do you want me to do? It was on my internship. Lord, I'm, I'm very concerned. I see a president. I see a country that's going in a particular direction. I don't like the way it's going to go, Lord. I'm not liking what I'm seeing. I see a battle. I see a giant we learned about today in, uh, in Sunday school, a giant. His name was Goliath then, but I see a giant today. I don't know how it's going to be beaten, Lord. How do you change a culture, Lord, once they go so far? Well, I got my answer. See, you can't, Brian, but God can. It's going to take the Word of God, Brian, and it's going to take somebody who, A, is willing to make a choice to follow the Lord, somebody who's not going to be willing to stop. And, you, you know, we're going to have to do my third point here. It's simply this. It's not just for us. We've got to share it with others. Jehoshaphat figured out, hey, this makes a giant difference in my life. I made this choice, look, and I got blessed. I grew in this. I'm learning. This is blessing my life. These guys need this. It's not just for me. Here, give it to them. Okay, that's great. How are we going to do that? For me, it's being a part of a ministry that takes John and Romans and takes it to churches. And <clears throat> it works with them to put it together, to give the Word of God to somebody else. <clears throat> now, the interesting part of this chapter is Everything up until this point, Jehoshaphat's done. And I love this because everything after this, God does. Jehoshaphat doesn't do any of this. See, the interesting thing is it tells us, and the fear of the Lord fell upon the kingdoms of the land. They weren't afraid of Jehoshaphat. They were afraid of all those Jews who apparently know the Lord God. They had heard about all these things. They're drawing closer. All those enemies and all those pagan guys that were living around them were going, something's going on over there. And we better be aware. Because if history tells me anything, every time this happens and they start talking about the Lord, they do impossible things. A 14-year-old boy kills a 9-foot giant named Goliath. Some crazy things have happened. I've seen it. You better not get involved. 
you better not touch them. I'm just telling you. And so what happens? They have peace in their land, right? So what does it say? They fell upon all the kingdoms of the lands that were round about Judah so that they made no war against Jehoshaphat. Verse 11, And some of the Philistines brought Jehoshaphat presents, tribute silver. They're bringing them rams and goats. Here, let's be friends. I, don't attack me. Not only that, let's be friends. Here, you can have some stuff. Don't, don't attack me. Don't attack me. Don't take over. Don't do those things. Don't come to my neighborhood if the Lord tells you, I want to be on your side. I want to be on the good side. They started figuring out that they need to do that. What happens to Jehoshaphat in uh, verse 12 personally? It says, Jehoshaphat waxed great exceedingly. Did you ever figure out and study and just stop sometimes when the Lord says something about a particular word? Exceedingly. What does that mean? That means beyond what his capability is. There's a limit to what you and I can all do. No matter what we do, there's a limit. But this is Jehoshaphat waxed great exceedingly. See, because he was doing what God wanted him to do, God made him capable far beyond anything he could do all on his own. Far beyond his own ability. His limits were no longer limits. God had him exceed them. Great exceedingly, not just, well, he could do a little better. No, no, no. There's a blessing there, personally, to Jehoshaphat. And it says, and he built in Judah castles and cities of store. You know, the interesting things, it sounds a lot better than those fenced cities we were talking about earlier. And he had much business in the cities of Judah. What does this sound like? What does this land sound like? It's peaceful. They got money. There's jobs. They've got, what do we got? Castles. There's protection. We got businesses going in. We've got storehouses. We've got all of these things. But what's going to happen if somebody decides to attack us? God says, don't worry about that. I got this too. You read down through all of these so many people that show up here, thousands, mighty men of valor. If you read all this and you add it up, you know what you get? A 1.1 million man army that God sits on Jerusalem because they didn't show up for Jehoshaphat. You can even go down to chapter or verse 16. And it says, right, And next to him was Amasiah the son of Zechariah, who willingly offered himself unto the Lord, not to Jehoshaphat. The Lord's sitting there telling this man, hey, telling these guys, listen, I want you to take your troops and I want you to go sit on Jerusalem. Why? Because I want you to. Okay, that's what I'm doing. And here's Jehoshaphat who's done. All he's done is he's made a choice. He's grown. He's decided we're going to share the word of the Lord inside of our country and our place. And God said, great, now I'm going to take care of the rest. Watch this. And nothing else that happens is what Jehoshaphat did. It's all what God did. And that's my fourth point. And that's this. It produces blessings that are more than for just ourselves. See, some of those people probably didn't believe in that land. Some of those people probably didn't read. They probably weren't following God. But they sure were a part of that blessing in that land. They sure had a great witness when all of a sudden there's no more war. All of a sudden here shows up all this wealth and all this money. And hey, there's a bunch of businesses here. And hey, there's peace. And hey, there's this 1.1 million man army that just shows up and sits down in here. They can witness it. There's no denying anymore. That's really hard to. But Christian, what can I take from that in my own personal life? Well, my, my statement was in the beginning of this message was the title, How Far Will You Let God Take You? Amen. See, we're going to have to make a choice, Christian, and we're going to follow the Lord. And it might not be what we really want for life. I had different ideas when I was 18 years old and 19 years old and 30 and 40. And then the Lord said, How about this idea? His has been much better, by the way. <laughs> we can't just stop simply at making the choice. Maybe that's salvation. You say, great, I got saved. Great, don't stop there. You're going to miss all the blessings, I would tell you that. 
And it's not just for us. We've got to grow and we've got to take that in. We've got to read that word. Why? So I can know who Ahab is. So I can know who the kingdom of Israel is. So I can know some things. Well, why do I need to know them? Turn over to chapter 18, verse 1. I want to share a little something with you while we've got some time here. Chapter 18, verse 1 says, Now Jehoshaphat had riches and honor in abundance, comma, and joined affinity with Ahab. If you don't study the Bible and you don't know any better, or you don't, haven't learned and studied it, you'd say, okay, so who's Ahab? Who cares? Big deal. If you've studied the Bible and you've read it and you understand who Ahab is, as soon as you read that, you go, ooh, you messed up. You messed up. Why? Because Ahab is the king of Israel, the northern kingdom. Ahab is not a good king. If you know who Ahab is married to, you know his wife is Jezebel. When you hear that name, maybe you don't know why exactly, but you know in your head, mm, that she's not good. Nope. If you know the story of Elijah when he called down fire and it consumed the altar and it consumed the sacrifice, it was Jezebel who threatened Elijah to cause him to flee into the cave. You begin to know who Ahab is. You begin to know what type of person he is. He's not chasing God. The unfortunate thing for Jehoshaphat is he kept allowing himself to be associated with that. Why do I need to study my Bible? Why do I need to grow? For God to teach me the principles and the things and the ways of his word. Why? So maybe I can help somebody else. Maybe I can share, even sometimes, with somebody else how the Word of God has been a blessing to my life personally, changed me personally. I might not have to teach a class, but maybe, maybe, maybe you'll get up here and fun with felt. Who knows? If the Lord would ask you to, would you do it? How far will you let Him take you? Sometimes it starts out with simply being willing. Okay, Lord, I'll do whatever you want. But we both know, I don't know what I'm doing, so if anything's going to happen, awesome. It's going to be you, not me. It's kind of how my conversation went. I don't know about yours. But um, it's, we're going to have to make a choice, Christian. We're going to have to decide. And I want those kinds of blessings. Why? Because I look at a nation and a country today, and I see a bad time. But that doesn't mean it has to stop there. What's the solution in changing the culture that I'm living in, Lord, because they don't really want to listen to reason? You've got to give them truth. You've got to give them the Word of God. How am I going to give it to them if I don't know it? How am I going to give it to them if I'm not prepared? I've got to be prepared. I've got to be willing to let the Lord use me in whatever way it is and whoever I meet. And there's some blessings in there for me personally, but also for the people in the land that I live in. And I want those blessings, not just for the United States of America, but for the world. And I hope that today you understand why it is that this chapter means so much to me. And I hope you understand today that we have a hope despite whatever is sitting around us, despite the giant that we heard about today. And it seems impossible. It's still possible. And it can happen. But we're going to have to be a part of it. I don't know. And let the Lord use us in whatever way he'd want to. So that we can see those blessings. And we can be a part of it. And so can the people who don't even know, who don't even believe, they can get a witness they can't deny. Let's go ahead and bow our heads and uh, close our eyes. Maybe today the Lord is... Maybe pricked your heart about something he's been asking you to do. Or maybe he's been, um, I don't know, just putting something of weight on your heart that maybe you want to respond to. If we could have a piano play for us for just a moment. And uh, we'll just have an open uh, moment of invitation. And if the Lord has put something on your heart and you want to come down to the altar and pray, 
Or maybe you just want to take the opportunity and say, Lord, you, you don't really move my heart, but if you wanted to me, me to, I, I'm willing. I'm willing to do, Lord, whatever you ask me to do, to be a part of whatever you ask me to be. Sometimes it's, are you willing to be an usher? Sometimes, are you willing to run the slides? Are you willing to do the lights? Are you willing to do whatever it takes, Lord, that he might ask you? You might teach one Sunday school class, something like that. However the Lord might use you. Or maybe today you don't know the Lord personally. You say, well, that's great, but I don't know who the Lord is. Well, maybe today's the day you could find out. Or maybe you were like me when you grew up and you understood it with your head, but you didn't understand it with your heart. Why don't you come down the altar and ask the Lord that you help me understand it with my heart so that I might make the right decision, so that I might make the fully understanding decision of my own free will. pray that would be the, the case today. Pray you take some time and, and ask the Lord what he'd have of us today. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our service. If you would like to hear more, visit our website at bbc4me.org. That's bbc, the number four, me.org. May God bless you.